Hey there, welcome to the Deliver On Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. I'm Ron from EntreeCourier.com. Entree is from entrepreneur, for somebody who is in business for themselves. And here's the deal, folks. If you're an independent contractor, you are operating a business, ready or not. So that makes you an Entree Courier. Welcome to the club. This podcast is here to help you think like a business owner and to thrive in your business. So let's get started, shall we? Well, Courier Nation, it is the home stretch. We are entering our final week of the 31-day Courier MBA series. I want to thank you for joining us as we get into episode 25. Now, as we wrap this up, we will go into a weekly schedule. But uh, one thing that I want to ask you right now is, what would you like to have us talk about after we get done with this? Let us know. The 31-Day Courier MBA series is about mastering your business attitude. For 31 days, we look at business ideas and concepts and we apply them to what we do as independent contractors in the on-demand delivery world. We get into some of these that you wouldn't think of, things like business plans, exit strategies, loss leaders, and all of these actually apply to what we do. Now, if you want the real power of the whole series, you might want to try binge listening because earlier episodes do provide a foundation for future episodes. Having said that, I also want to try and make sure that each episode can stand on its own. So for today, Courier Nation, I want to ask you a question. Is the customer always right? Now, if you listened to yesterday's episode, we talked about, or actually two episodes ago, we talked about how DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates, all of these others, they're actually our customers. But you hear that phrase a lot, that the customer is always right. And I want to ask you, is it true? Now, that whole concept that the customer is always right, that's been around for a long time. Way back in 1905, Sears and Roebuck and Company had published that every one of our thousands of employees are instructed to satisfy the customer regardless of whether the customer is right or wrong. Okay, now I know Sears is barely hanging by a thread right now, but considering that it has been 114 years since they said that, I will say that that's probably worked pretty well for them. Now, we did a remodeling project a few years ago, and we really tried to go local with a lot of the stuff that we were buying for it. And and one of the issues, especially in one particular store, that, you know, the way we were treated by the local store was just horrible. And when we went to the big national chain, their customer service was outstanding. And, and in fact, Later on, they encouraged us to bring back some things that I would not expect that you would ever think about bringing back. And and they kind of took that customer is always right thing to an extreme that doesn't make sense on a single transaction. But what's happened is since that time, we have gone to the national chain a lot more frequently than the local store just because of that kind of a interaction. So it really does make a difference. But I know, too, that the question is going to be 
But how does that apply in our situation? Because we are in a different kind of customer relationship type of thing. Actually, in some ways, it's flipped. Because usually, let's say a business or a store, you know, they can have dozens or hundreds or thousands of customers. And, you know, where the delivery company is our customer, that's kind of flipped a little bit, where it's more like they have dozens or hundreds or thousands of businesses, and we only have just a small handful of those customers, with businesses, of course, being the independent contractors like ourselves. But I think that there are two legitimate questions that you want to ask in that kind of a situation, and that is, one, is the customer always right? And I think the answer is going to be obvious because of the second question, and that is, what do you do when the customer is not right? So let's look at that first question. Is the customer always right? And my answer is going to be absolutely not. Now, the customer, our customer, Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, Caviar, any of these companies here, they are not right when they expect you to be an employee, act like an employee, think like an employee without paying you for being an employee. The customer is not right when they ex expect you to accept every order. They are not right when they try and take away your right to serve other customers at your discretion. They are not right when they try to control you in a way that they're not allowed to control you as an independent contractor. So in a lot of these situations, no, absolutely they are not right. We can move that question also down to their customers, the restaurants, and the end users. You know, the restaurant cannot expect you to do food prep. The restaurant isn't right if they refuse to fill your order until all of the customers in line have placed their order. The customer isn't right when they require you to go into unsafe situations to get their food to them or when they don't provide adequate instructions for you to find their place. You know, when, when the customer wants you to bend over backwards for everything and they don't want to give you a tip or pay you for all of that, you know, the customer, the, the end user, they are not right. So no, the customer is not always right. And so establishing that, then the question becomes, what do you do when the customer is not right? I think the biggest thing that I say is, you know, first of all, you don't take it personally. Don't let it get up in your feelings. You know, it's rarely something that is specifically directed at you. It's not that they are out to get you. It's not that they are doing something personal because really you're just a little blip in their day. You know, let's be real about that. One thing that can help is when you try and put yourself in their shoes, when you try and see their perspective, when you see it through everything that is impacting them and not just ourselves. I learned this back when I was in telecom. We had customers who, as we saw it, they were totally unreasonable in what they were expecting of us. They were expecting us to provide things that were way outside of what our agreement was for them. But when we started to look at it kind of from their perspective, we realized that you know what? They were not from the telecom world. They didn't deal with what we did all the time. So they really had no idea what to expect. And we weren't educating them well enough ourselves. And when we started to understand that, we could understand that the customer, they weren't being jerks. They just really didn't know what to expect. And we weren't helping them. 
I think one thing where you can think about, you know, different perspectives would be when you talk about the DoorDash tipping controversy. You know, DoorDash says that they are supplementing lower tip offers. But the thing is, is that when the customer places a $5 tip through the app and it doesn't change the amount of money that the driver's receiving, well, you can understand the driver's and the customer's perception that, um, you know, DoorDash is stealing tips. And, uh, you know, I think you could actually make a strong enough argument on both sides about it. Now, honestly, the issue with DoorDash isn't the supplementing the low tip orders. It's it's them trying to get us to accept that $1 is adequate for a delivery fee. You know, there's there's the crime right there. But, you know, the funny thing is, is then you get Grubhub, who is really struggling right now about not getting their low tip orders picked up. They've got way too many orders not being delivered. And, uh, you know, and this is this is some of the reason that DoorDash, I think, has blown past Grubhub as far as being the market leader now, is that DoorDash is getting their orders delivered much more regularly with much more satisfaction than Grubhub. Grubhub has really got a problem right now with customer satisfaction, with the restaurant satisfaction. And part of the problem is that a low tip offer, they cannot get drivers to accept those because they're just not worth delivering. And I'll tell you, they're not worth delivering. So what is the answer that a lot of drivers suggest? Well, Grubhub should add a little bit to those low pay orders to make them worth taking. But folks, isn't that kind of the same thing that uh, DoorDash is doing? So how is that different? Again, now Grubhub's paying more for a base than $1, so there's that. But you can kind of see where I'm going with that, that I'm not taking a position that that DoorDash is okay or that Grubhub is okay with that. But the thing is, is that we need to remember the position that these companies are in. There's pressure on them. They've got to get these orders delivered, and they've got to find a way to do it. And if it doesn't happen, then people quit ordering from them. The restaurants quit using them. They lose customers. They can't deliver as much. They've got to cut back on the driver force. So it it kind of rolls on downhill. And like I said, I'm fully convinced that this is why DoorDash has blown past Grubhub as a market leader, because they're doing a better job filling those orders. And their pay model is how they approached this issue. Grubhub's response has been to crack down on people who reject too many orders. There are different perceptions as far as how to handle this. And the funny thing is that the model has worked for DoorDash, but now there's been so much pressure on them that they had to come out and say, okay, we are going to come out with a new model. Now, obviously, DoorDash could resolve things by just allocating more money towards the drivers. But here's the problem on their side for that, is if they do that, then that increases their costs. Where's that money come from? Do you see what I mean? And does that mean that they've got to increase their delivery fees? Well, if they increase their delivery fees, customers go somewhere else. You know, where's where's the point where the customer won't pay enough so that DoorDash and Grubhub and all these companies can pay enough. So you see a problem with DoorDash and their pay model, 
We see the problem with Grubhub cracking down on these things that they don't have a right to crack down on. And those are issues and they're very real issues. But then when you see things from the bigger perspective, there is pressure to be profitable. Uh, there are the investors that they've got to get their money from it. There are the customers who are not willing to pay more and they'll go somewhere else if they've got to pay more. So do they charge more money and lose market share so that they can pay the drivers better? Or do they close down? Because honestly, probably a fair and reasonable compensation for drivers is not sustainable in an area where customers won't pay enough money for it to be sustainable. You know, so I mean, there's all sorts of questions. There is so much more at it than just whether or not what they are doing with us is correct and fair. Now, this is not to defend any of the things that they are doing, but it's more to kind of help us get an idea that when the customer is wrong, that there is an awful lot more to it than what we might realize. You know, when the restaurant staff treats us like scum, it's not that they're treating us like that, but it's because maybe, you know, previous drivers have really been horrible with them and they're reacting to those earlier drivers rather than to us. When customers give us terrible information about where to do the delivery, sometimes I think it is kind of more like it's similar to people that, this will sound kind of weird, but it's similar to people that don't know their own cell number. And what I mean is, if they've never been in our shoes, if they've never been there trying to be the person trying to find them, they don't know what kind of things to think about to tell you to look for. Do you see what I mean there? So sometimes it's just ignorance on the customer, which is not a slam on the customer. It's just that because they've not been in our shoes, they don't know what to provide for us. You know, so it's it's those kinds of things like that. And what I'm getting at with all of this is there are... So many things that our customers and their customers and their customers' customers do that make life difficult for us. But here's the deal, folks. We are not going to change them. We're not going to change the situation. We can't change what they do. But when we see why they do what they do, I think it helps us. It helps our perspective. Even though we can't change them, we can change our own outlook and when we realize it's not personal, when it's not directed at us, I don't think it impacts us quite the same way. And we're able to kind of deal with it a little more easily. Now, sometimes, Courier Nation, when the customer is not right, it's time for us to ask this question. Is it still possible to meet my business goals in this situation? Can I continue to profit? Can I continue to thrive in this environment? That can be kind of a micro question. It can be a macro question. What I mean is you can go micro. You can go on a delivery by delivery basis. This delivery doesn't make sense. Waiting 45 minutes at this particular restaurant, it doesn't make sense. It's not worth it. It's time to move on. But you make your decision and you move on. Taking the order that the customer doesn't tip or choosing not to take that order, you know what? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't pay enough for me to do it. That's okay. I move on. You move on. You make your decision. But getting emotional about that decision, that's where the stress starts to come in. And that's where, you know, what you can do is you can control how you feel about it and how you move on about it. You can't control what the customer does, but you can control your response. At some point, it'll get to the bigger picture. And that's where we're talking about the macro. 
that continuing the relationship itself does not make sense. You know, I know that right now I make a good enough profit at what I do that even though some of the things that these delivery companies are all out of whack, I can still make a good profit. I can still do okay in this environment. But there's always a time when that can change. There might be a time where the provider just crosses the line way too much and becomes a matter of principle. And that's a decision that you may end up deciding to make, and everybody's going to make that decision maybe at a different point. You know, sometimes it's the guy that walks into a store and he wants to buy something at a half price, and they say no. But then when that person starts to get aggressive about it, starts to get abusive and everything like that, that's when you say, okay, we're done with you. It's time to ban you. Sometimes they're so wrong that you end up cutting the ties. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in two days on Friday. We'll talk about firing your customer. The bottom line is you can control how you react when the customer is wrong. You know, you've got the choice. Do you get down on their level? Do you make yourself miserable? Or do you become a professional about it? You can say, I no longer want you as a customer, and that's fine. My main advice, though, is don't let your reaction to the dumb things that the customers do impact you to the point that it costs you your profitability and your ability to enjoy what you do. You are the boss. You have the option to keep the control in this relationship, even when the customer is wrong. Folks, that kind of wraps up our topic for today. And tomorrow, we'll continue with more customer service, but this time it's going to be more related around the end user. And are there things that we can do to increase our revenue by better customer service? Thank you for tuning in today. I invite you to come on over to deliveronyourbusiness.com. That is the podcast portion of our entrecourier.com website. You can go to entrecourier.com or deliveronyourbusiness.com. It'll get you kind of the same place. Come on over, check us out. You can scroll through some of our blog posts there. We've been talking a little bit more lately about some of the things that are happening with the DoorDash pay model. You can look us up on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and even on LinkedIn by searching for Entree Courier. And you can look for our podcast on all of the main channels. Now, folks, as I always do, I save this part for the end. And I save it for the end because... I prefer to make an effort at earning the right to ask this question by providing good information. If you found anything in our podcast, in the website, if you find anything that we're doing helpful or useful at all in your delivery business, could you spread the word? Could you let people know about us? Tell other drivers about us. Share us on social media. Uh, let us let let people know about us by reviewing us on uh, iTunes or whatever, because those reviews help us get found. If you can spread the news, we can help more people succeed in their business. One last thing that I ask you: please go out there, take control of your business, go, and be the boss. Mm-hmm.